Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So, uh, who's your who's your superhero? Who's your savior? Who's what persona in the all of all that is? Who are you hanging your hat on? Is it Jesus or Buddha or or who? What is your potential as it relates to that? What I really like about um, the 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 Jesus story is through two thousand years we still have a savior. I mean, how many books have been banned? How many um, narratives have been shattered or perhaps non-existent except in the uh, library at the the secret or or private library at the Vatican. We could have gotten this far and not had a savior, but we have a savior and that savior said, you're going to do everything I have done and you're going to do more than what I have done. So this this human genome thing, we've talked about this for well over a decade now. This human genome thing is uh it's it's really a vessel of the divine. When I look at the the power of the persona known as Jesus, I have to use a temporal measuring stick, time. So Jesus walks into a leper colony and poof, done. You're healed. Now you're healed. He doesn't say, well, we need to run some tests and uh, let me schedule a MRI and let, let me get you a prescription. None of that. Zero. So if if we look at the time, the time it takes for healing modalities that can be an indicator whether they're a gateway or a portal that'll move us more into the Jesus uh, archetype, the, the Jesus persona, which, again, he's promised us all that eventually we can get to. So I love conversations that look at this this human genome and say, well, how is it? that we've lost the ability to do this poof done, poof done, this very short uh, effect, very short temporal amount of time to change, quote, reality, unquote, now. Jesus didn't have to adjust the feng shui of the environment. Jesus didn't have to you know, stop and do a a 21-day chant. And I'm not discounting any of this, but when we reach that level, that caliber of potential, poof, done. And what blows my mind is Jesus has raised the dead. 
how the hey dude get back here what are you doing what the hell where'd you go come on get your ass back here you got stuff to do i mean that that's profound stuff and if we can't think in this modality for ourselves i mean we should at least daydream a little bit about what it'd feel to to trust what jesus has promised that our own persona this this human genome that i have that you have that we all have has wicked potential and so i i love conversations that talk about uh where is it in our psyche that we've fallen off the the horse where the wagon tipped over where the wheels came off the cart and how can we how can we reconstitute that divine potential now i'm super stoked about tonight's show the topic tonight the 30-day metaphysical detox and our guest tonight is dr jason loken we're going to bring him on in just a minute jason and i talked yesterday in length getting to know each other and <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited for this episode let's get to it um again the topic is the 30-day metaphysical detox with and our guest tonight is dr jason loken many people work really hard at trying to create a life that they love whether that be with their health their relationships their weight or any other aspect of life but they find themselves conditionally recycling similar experiences over and over again no matter how hard they try why in order to create real lasting change in our lives we must address the hidden determinants i love this the hidden determinants to transform that lie in the meta that lie in the metaphysics beyond what is only perceived through the five senses dr jason has 25 years experience in the health and wellness industry he combines his decades of practice in naturopathic medicine osteopathy integrative medicine meditation yoga and retreats his mission is to support and inspire others to find their own path to greater health true potential and joy his inspire health podcast has been ranked in the top 10 for many countries including canada please join me in welcoming dr jason loken to the show welcome to the show jason les thanks very much for having me on through the miracle of technology You know, anybody left who runs a podcast or anything goes through uh, these ups and downs with technology nonstop. <laughs> the the show was reinvented like literally 15 minutes ago, and so we're running on a new dynamic. But what the hell? Here we are. <laughs> well, well, Jason. Um, uh, yesterday when we were talking, we were both uh, talking 
let's let's start off with the idea of uh, emotions, and and we were both kind of talking about uh, how how we're not really uh, shown or taught or demonstrated in a public context or forum um, the power of emotions not only to give us information in the moment, but also to, to uh, create karmic stigmas, karmic momentums, if you will. In, in your years of uh, working in the health and wellness industry, do you see a, a connection between emotions and a person's health? Nah, not at all. Nothing. Oh, well, that takes care of that. Okay. I would say any clinician that's been in the field long enough, you start to see that what supersedes any of the physical are all of these more abstract bodies or dimensions of health, um, the vital body and the emotional body being one of the big ones. I would say that underlying almost any physical thing, if we really dive into it and we're open to looking for it, you will always see that there is an emotional trigger that usually proceeds. You know, I would often give people an exercise where we would do a, because a lot of times people don't remember them or they're not consciously aware of it, but I'll often give people an exercise where I'll give them a timeline, kind of like as if their, their life was on a graph and they're sort of going through year by year and they're doing sort of like um, peaks and valleys for big physical problems that have taken place in their life. And then I'll usually get them to, once they've done that and they've gone over the span of their lifetime, then I'll get them to go back and do the same thing, but with a new color pen, same idea, and to look at any major stresses or traumas or um, usually big mental, emotional experiences that have taken place. And most of the time, you will see a blip, usually within about six months or sooner prior to the physical problem taking place. And I would have literally countless stories of, of that happening. Wow. Well, like I shared with you and I've shared on the show before, when I got cracked open, I had no clue. I was, I had absolutely no clue that the elephant in the room, so to speak, in my life was anger because I never got angry. I never Anger was not in my demeanor in a conscious way, and yet it was like um, strong arming, reaching over my shoulder, grabbing the steering wheel and, and yanking me off the highway, and I'm out in some big-ass Cadillac mowing down Joshua trees out in the wilderness, <laughs> <laughs> and and I had no clue. I just had no clue. When... Uh, when when we go to look at our emotions, how how can we like sprinkle flour on the kitchen floor, so to speak, to see if we've been sleepwalking? If there's emotions in our psyche that are very strong and powerful, and yet our conscious mind can be unaware of that, what can we do to um, bring the unconscious emotional stigmas into a conscious space. Yeah, I, I mean, I think ultimately there's lots of different ways to to bring it up. I, one of the ways that, let me kind of start with this. I think the first thing to do is pay attention. We need to start to connect back into what our body's telling us. 
I think that's probably the first thing. I feel like generally as a society, we become so disconnected from many things, our body being one of them, and being able to actually connect with information that it's constantly trying to give us. If we can slow down and start to connect to that, that in itself gives us some answers. That requires a certain level of awareness, which usually requires us to have a certain level of courage and a certain level of willingness to even explore that. Because sometimes we don't like to make the connections that are usually at the root of what's going on with our emotions. So first thing I'd say is to listen to the body. Now, often that requires us to slow things down where we actually get into a place where we are able to actually get out of our head and get more into our body so that we can pay attention to what's going on. From a clinical standpoint, one of the, you can use different techniques if you're working with someone that knows what they're doing with it. Then I, I feel like some of the different techniques like um, you know, neuroemotional therapy and psych K and some of these different things can allow you to get back in contact. And I've seen some really profound changes for some people just because it, it is. Some of this stuff is really unconscious and we're not consciously aware of it. So sometimes... But again, this ties back to the body. You'll actually be testing the body and your body will give answers. And I kid you not, it's when you're working with people and you connect up to some of these different things, um, the tears just well up. Like the, the, it all comes to the surface. And then there's this tangible knowing that the person experiences where now they know that whatever they just tapped on sort of opened up the valve and allowed it to surface up. And then that in itself starts to now inform them of something else, maybe something they need to do or something they need to change or, or how they're going to start the process of venting off a lot of this stored emotional burden that's been there often for their whole life and lifetimes beyond, not even their own. Sometimes it can be a combination of uh, generational um, emotion that's passed down. Generational emotions that are passed down. Our, our egos are literally grown. I mean, Day one, nobody has an ego of any substance. And you can't utter a sentence that pisses off a baby because they don't do symbols yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and so how do how do we get so far off the path that decades later people come to you and and they and they hit that emotional nerve and, and tears well up and, and there's a release. How is it that we even get to the point of loading our psyche up with unresolved emotions? You know, we were talking about some of this just the other day when we were chatting and I, I feel like at the heart of it, in one of the books I did called understanding to knowing, and it was this idea, it was actually a book I wrote, it, it made a lot of sense to me after even becoming a parent. Um, it really sort of changed, you know, it's this idea of like, you know, you understand what it's like to be a parent until you become a parent and then you know what it's like to be a parent. And you kind of realize there's a big difference between what you think you understand and what you know. You have this experience <laughs> with it. But one of the things I talk about in that book is how we start this process of disconnect. And it, it starts in many ways from our body is perpetuated in just just our culture and our body in a lot of ways but from a standpoint with kids you see this a lot and it's like we were talking about the idea of 
when a child, when they're little, and what I would often see is a child starts, you know, they hurt themselves or they fall down and skin their knee or they, or something happens and they're sad and they start crying. And a lot of times what happens is I find the adults a lot of times are needing to try to make it okay right away. So, and a lot of times we might appease that with food or with distraction or, you know, trying to like, don't worry here, have this, everything's going to be okay. Because ultimately the adult's even uncomfortable with seeing the, the emotion arise. And I find like what happens is that the child doesn't actually get the chance to experience that there can be an intense emotion that can come and that there's a middle and that there's an ending to it. And it's not going to last the whole time. So, I mean, how we approach this with our five and six year old now, and it's, it's like I, when something comes up, I just want them to know I'm there and I'm not going anywhere and I can hug them and hold them and I can allow it to just move through naturally and organically. I feel like the more that kids get an experience with that, whatever it might be, whether it's anger, anger is another big one. Anger gets shut down really quickly because anger is really deemed as being a, a bad negative thing in society. And, you know, we talked about anger before and anger has got a lot of benefits depending on where you are, but you just have to be aware of that. It doesn't shift into hatred and violence, but if people go through and, and actually experience without getting the emotion kind of stopped in the middle of it and not allowed to kind of run its course, I feel like we never really learn how to manage any of them effectively. So we're never really burning it off. And, you know, we just talked to Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, who um, did an amazing YouTube talk, I think in 2008, that put TED Talks on the map um, on my stroke of insight. And right. she's a neuroscientist. She was actually talking about the 90-second rule. She said, the biochemistry of an emotion literally takes 90 seconds to diffuse. So that's the biochemistry of it, for it to have an effect and then literally dissolve in that neurochemistry, be broken down and not have an effect anymore. It takes 90 seconds. But, you know, when was the last time someone stayed 90 seconds in, say, anger, when someone cuts them off in traffic or something? It's because we keep replaying the scenario and the storyline. And every time we do that, we conjure back up the exact same neurochemistry that creates the same emotion. So people can do that with something like resentment for their entire life their entire life. They can literally hold on to these things and replace storylines that just keep fueling the same neurochemistry. And we just end up storing that literally, quite literally in the body. The body literally becomes our subconscious. It's not something necessarily in our head. The body carries all of this emotion. And so when we actually allow ourselves to feel, you know, like you were talking about, you allowed yourself to actually feel the emotion. And if you actually feel it without the storyline coming in over and over and over again, you will literally burn up so much of this emotional content, which then doesn't subconsciously kind of drive the course of your life unknowingly. That's that's really powerful what you're saying. So for our audience, if it's not apparent that you're a parent, look for toys in the house. (laughs) Look for diapers. (laughs) You might have children. I mean, and and what you were saying there, Jason, was to give your kid the space to to feel whatever it is. And I believe you said something like hold the space for them or just be there with them, but to allow them to move all the way through that 90-second window without 
trying to shut it down, you know, suck it up, uh, men don't cry, et cetera, et cetera. Perhaps that is a, a powerful thing to teach our kids to to be in the moment and allow that full expression, get it out, capitulate it out of your persona as the messenger that it is. How? Um, what is the role of emotions? I mean, why are they there in the first place and, and what information do they have for us? Well, I, I think ultimately there's a difference between feelings and emotions. The feelings are sort of the initial body sensation that comes up that almost precedes the emotion. I think the emotion comes up when we tend to even attach sort of a meaning to it, often based on our history and our past experiences. But to me, the feeling is what you're ultimately trying to connect with. Um, Because even the emotion, I think sometimes we get caught up in the meaning and then that starts to open up a storyline and we're going to go down the rabbit hole on it. But So the exercise would be something like when a strong sensation comes on your body that we might identify with, say, anger. What I want to do is I want to get to know that anger with as much curiosity as I possibly can. So can I stay and get to know, like, what is this thing called anger in my body? Where am I feeling it? What does it feel like? How's it making my body feel? Where specifically do I feel it in my, oh, I feel my my neck tense up. I feel this heat coming off my solar plexus. I feel my body getting all warm. I feel my hands clenching, whatever it might be. I'm wanting to become very curious and aware of how that feeling plays out in my body. That's what allows my focus to stay right there. To me, it's like, that's the signal. When we can get more and more clear with that and get that, that pure connection back to that initial feeling before we attach meaning to it, I think that that feeling sense is there to completely guide us. That's a part of our inner knowing that lets us know when we need to be wary of something, when something doesn't resonate with us, when we need to take a different direction, when we need to be um, cautious of something, um, when we need to move strongly towards something. But I feel like because this has gotten so mismanaged and we don't, we don't then trust the body because we haven't been allowed to actually allow these processes to run through then I think what we do is we kind of hand that really amazing information that's surfacing all the time, telling us, informing us about life and even our choices that we should be making. We then kind of hand it over to the intellect to try to figure it all out. And the intellect can be a great place if it is infused with the wisdom from the heart and our inner knowing. Most of the time it's not though. Most, most of the time it's, its information is based on a lot of false perceptions and identification. So I don't think it's the most truthful information and the best place to sort things out. I think ultimately if we can really connect back and trust the body again and trust those, those um, insights and that instinct and the intuition that surface, that I think is really what's going to drive us in much more simplify our life. Wow. Very nice. I like how you're putting it, in us, the instincts, the inspiration. You know, like I've shared before, I, had I stayed in my logical mind, I never would have become an author. I probably never would have started a podcast either. If, if I, as a listener to the show, if I'm new to to my spiritual journey, and uh, 
I'm living in my head, which is the vast majority of humanity, and I don't have a real uh, connection with my emotions. I don't have a rapport with my body. I don't have a flow of inspiration in um, information coming from within me and to, to value that and honor that from the ego point of view, how, uh, how would you describe your life as being different once you do connect up, reconnect with your emotions, reconnect with your body, reconnect with that innate intelligence within us? I, I think in many ways, everything starts to change. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to make major changes always in your work or your relationship or something. You might just perceive everything in a completely new lens, right? But what I found personally is that when, when that path really opened up for me, it, it becomes kind of the central guiding light. It, it essentially is top priority, and then everything kind of revolves around that. That's kind of like the compass. And so there's less time spent around things that my, my, my ego mind identity part of me wants, right? Because, right. I, because I'm, I'm connected to something that means more to me. And, and ultimately, I think when people really connect with, with that and they, they value it, and then you see it play out in your life in different ways. You, you see more meaning and, and more sense of purpose and, and often more joy in different ways gradually start to develop in your life when you are following that. And so I think in many ways, just it's like everything can change. It's, you know, Dr. David Hawkins used to talk about when you would move through different stages of consciousness. And I, I often think about it like that, where it's, it's like the lens that you see your world with. So you could still be in the exact same place, but it's like, you know, you could be in a really bad place of, you know, fear or um, depression or anger or something like that. And then if you actually fell head over heels in love and, or, or got touched with unconditional love, you could be in the same place and everything in your world just looks different, right? Nothing really changed other than your perception of it. So I think when that's your guiding light, you put on a new set of glasses and you really see the world different. And then from that, you will interact with the world different because you're not trying to make yourself. You genuinely feel something different and you genuinely see it different. It's like that analogy of going climbing up the mountain. You know, you do the, whatever you can with what you see. And as you go up higher in the mountain, you see more. And so, you know, you, you interact with that in a different way. I like that. I, I concur. I, uh, the more I listen to my heart and my soul, the more my future expands. And I, I don't want to miss a thing. I mean, what if my ego won the argument and I never became an author? I mean, I don't want that life. Uh, my ego wanted it and actually fought for the idea of not being an author. But fast forward a decade or two, it's like, that's, it's really... I find a lot of joy and fulfillment in honoring the the inspiration and the vision that my heart and my soul have for what my life might be. And it it takes a little bit of uh, um, 
the ego's got to kind of let go. The ego seems to be, uh, it wants to know all its choices will create a predictable outcome. And, and that's folly to a heart that doesn't want any predictable outcome, that has no need for a predictable outcome. It, it's like take the rearview mirror, break it off, throw it out in the weeds, and, and not worry about what the wake's going to be to, to fully wholeheartedly commit to the passion of your heart and your soul. That, that takes a little bit of gumption. Now, it's amazing how time flies because we're pretty much halfway through the episode. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to make sure we touch on the topic, the 30-day metaphysical detox. Now, can you share with us the uh, context behind that topic? Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll touch base because I think you even touched a little bit on it when you were talking about the Jesus archetype in the opening, but the idea is that regardless of what you want to work on, whether it's your health or um, your weight or um, your finances or whatever piece of it is, the reality is that almost we we tend to work always on what we observe through our five senses. You know, we're very identified with our physical body in this physical world. Even things like conventional medicine is all based on the, the physical body and, and physical sort of medicine and, and whatnot. And there's a place for that. But I feel like the more people start to understand how this stuff works and, and the metaphysics essentially is where we, you know, this is the idea of meta sort of over above and beyond the physics. So this is where we start to look at the, what I call the hidden determinants of transformation. You look at first cause and the nature of being and how subtle energetic qualities can influence our lives it opens up into the science of possibility. So when we start to address what is unseen, it will actually filter down and you will then start to see it through the five senses. But it's like, that's the blueprint. That's the template. And if we can address things or the field, you might even say for some people. And that's kind of where I think ultimately we need to address things, whatever it is that we want to work on. If we try to work on it purely on the physical, you can only go so far. And most of the time you might make little bits of changes and then things tend to come back again. Um, it's you know no different when someone tries to manage weight and they go on a strict diet, they force themselves to do it for a bit, they drop some weight and then a little bit later it all comes back again. It only really changes when someone's made a shift it's usually on these more abstract dimensions of bodies of health where you're on your mental and your emotional and your spiritual being. These aspects, when those things are addressed, that changes the blueprint, which then actually comes down and funnels into the physical body. So I want to work there. I want to create changes on this. And I would say at the heart of it, the, the detox aspect of it is to sort of take people through a process over the course of 30 days where they are basically dissolving and detaching from aspects of themselves that is not them and embodying more of who they truly are. That's kind of at the heart of it because from that place, then what will happen is you will actually be connected with your own personal instructions that are going to guide you in the best way that they know how. There's no one specific answer. 
for everybody's got different. It's just like when I see people with health problems in clinic, everybody's got a different scenario. There's no one size fits all. But the idea is to connect more back to what is real and dissolve more of what is not real. From that place, we're working with those higher dimensions of health and wellness and what, what affects our body and affects our physical reality. But we need to work there. It's essentially the... Um, the unseen that we're starting to address. And you have to have tangible experiences with that. It's like when you were talking about some of the other experiences you have, you know it, you feel it. That's what actually creates the change. It's not about the intellect. The intellect's got a place, but it's this sort of stuff is a knowing sense that we have from having tangible experiences. Very nice. Well, now, what if we're in a relationship or maybe we're parents in an up-and-coming family and um, our heart and soul tell us to start thinking about spirituality and metaphysics and whatnot? If you're in a dynamic with other people, either uh, in a personal, like a intimate way or in a family dynamic, and you start changing, doesn't that change the dynamics or the energy, if you will, of that relationship? In other words, what I'm getting at is um, when you change, how, uh, how you show up for your relationships change. How do you, how do you recognize that and, and what are some tips to deal with that? I think it's definitely nice when your partner particularly can be on board with you. And if they're not necessarily on board, then my feeling is that you at least want them to have enough sort of love and respect for you to follow your own path as well. Now, I get when you have certain responsibilities, you don't have to abandon all your responsibilities. I don't actually think that's a spiritual path anyways, because we do have certain responsibilities when we are here, especially when we have kids. But you can embody a lot of the different teachings um, in your own way, on your own time. Um, It's not like you have to flip your entire world upside down. Some of these things are really exercises to just bring awareness and help people connect to something that is more real. And from that place, I think if that, say, creates a lot of threatening for your partner, well, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either. I I honestly think some things are meant to kind of come up and create conversation around. There's usually something that's in there for both people. Um, I think it doesn't really matter what you do. At some point, most relationships grow at different levels, and ultimately that's often the itch that gets both people to kind of grow and expand even more. Right. Right. I, well, I like that. It's um, if if I look at this conversation, it, it society has this, or at least it in the past, it's had this white picket fence idea. We're all going to go to school. We're all going to get a job. We're all going to buy a house in the burbs. We're all going to retire and. That's kind of blasphemy to the the nature of nature. I mean, if you look at nature, she's really creative. And and there's never a moment where there's not a new outcome, a new 
flavor, a new dynamic. If we look at our human our human genome, so to speak, and perhaps the divine idea of the human culture, the human society, how do we honor ourselves from the inspiration of our heart and our soul and create perhaps a new metric or a new dynamic for our collective or cultural or communities? I mean, how does that work if we're um, each unique individuals following our inspiration? How do we how do we bring those kinds of changes to our collective consciousness? With because in 2019, I know we were quite different, but we were kind of in goose step with everyone as far as what the quote world is unquote. And now the cart tipped over and and normal ran down the hall and we don't have a new normal yet. Not that normal's the the what we want, but you see what I'm getting at is like I think we're we're intended to be vibrant, um, growing, evolving uh, personas, and and yet our culture has yet to create. Uh, a container for that out in the physical world, if that makes sense. For sure. But the container is not going to happen. That'll happen after. I, I feel like we are in this real transitional phase right now where, to me, it has to start from the individual. And the more that you get more individuals, then you create pockets of communities. And then those pockets of communities gradually create bigger communities. So I think that we are in a very transitional phase. I mean, we saw this very first hand with our kids with school. Um, we were not, we didn't want them to be in the conventional school system. It just didn't fit our understanding of what we felt was really important for our kids to ultimately learn. And so we weren't really sure. There wasn't a whole lot of stuff around. We weren't sure what was going to happen, but we just knew that was important. And so we really built up and, and talked about what kind of experience we wanted our kids to have. And then as we were doing that, because we create a certain resonance field when we do that. So then all of a sudden we end up running to other parents that are on the same page as that. And then next thing you know, Oh, there's a teacher that actually just took her child out of the school system because she didn't like the way that it was being done. And she thought there could be a very different style of teaching and outdoors all the time. And it's even the core principles that they sort of um, monitor or not monitor, but um, are looking to see that they're expanding and growing in a, in a beneficial way are completely different. And, and then she opened that up and then that gradually became the school that our kids are at with a bunch of other like-minded parents that have their kids on this. And have this amazing community that happened from us connecting to what we really felt inspired to do. And then through that, without being, I think a big part of this lesson is you cannot dictate what you're doing based on what your final conclusion is going to be or what you think the outcome needs to be. There's an aspect of faith that when this inspiration comes up that we follow it. And in the process of following it, the next step comes and the next step and the next step. And I know most people really despise that because we like to make sure everything is all lined up and we know the next 5, 10 year, 15 year plan. But the reality is, is that's not nature. Nature doesn't work like that. You've got to connect back to this, this source 
type of connection, however people want to view that, so that you are being inspired, you know, inspirited with information that is going to guide you most effectively. And the only way we can do that is by dissolving a lot of what is not us, often taking information from and connect more back to what is truly us. And that will guide you and you will connect to different um, groups. And then from that, that builds up more communities. And so we are in this really interesting phase because to me, I think the most important thing that anybody can do right now is to connect more back to that inspiration and have much less self-censoring. We also tend to self-censor ourselves all the time for fear of how we are going to be perceived or how we're going to be judged. But when you're, when you're connecting to that, that truth, you're not saying things in a way that's trying to hurt people or do any of this sort of stuff, but we need to right. embody who we truly are. I feel like we've often are, are so kind of watered down and we, we only show parts of who we are because we're afraid of how we're going to be judged or how we're going to be perceived or if we're going to be out of um, not politically correct or whatever it might be. I mean, there's a lot of different pieces to it, but I feel like we need to be our own individual self. That is the most powerful thing we can do. And the world needs our individuality. I like that. that and that ties into reconnecting with our body, reconnecting with our emotions. Uh, and the the new earth, the new human, um, you can't go to the library per se be, and and read a history of the new human and the new earth because it, it we're creating it. It we're mm-hmm. literally um, we're literally abandoning the the narrative, the mythology of the past, and by tuning into ourselves and bringing out our heart's desires, I, I think the heart of humanity is really hungry for a more authentic narrative, a more supportive uh, community and culture. So um, s- since you work in the health industry, um, since 2020 happened, the last couple of years, the cart tipped over and and people's lives uh, got turned upside down. How do you see it in your clients? Um, Have you noticed a distinctive shift in your clients and and how their own health has um, evolved from that? I would say the biggest thing that I've seen over the past few years is just a marked increase in anxiety and depression and focus issues and stress and that's now playing out in all sorts of different ways in their body and and health problems and outside of just all the other stuff that's gone on physiologically over this last while but it's like I've seen so much of that and when you understand again how the metaphysics works you also realize that those emotional states create a resonance field And often you are in more alignment with then physical things that can make you sick as well. So we don't want to be stuck for so long in some of these emotions. We need to process them. We need to feel them. We need to move through. And often we need to make changes in our lives in certain aspects so that, you know, emotions or the feelings that come up like that also inform us when we need to act and do something different. But 
it's challenging because a lot of us are very tethered to aspects of our life and we're not, we're not ready yet to even make some of the different changes that we probably know if we really sat with it that are there. We're just wanting to try to still make it better, make it better. But at some point, we usually hit a point where our body will eventually get to the, to the place where we have to make certain changes and then we're ready to. And then we kind of arrive at a, at a point where now we're ready to make certain changes. So I think the stress and anxiety and depression have been markedly higher and especially even a lot more of that in my, my children population. Right. The w- stress and anxiety and depression if um, we've talked about the emotional content uh, behind that, um, as a physical body, is is there things we can do? So perhaps I'm more aware now that I'm anxious. I'm more aware now that I'm depressed. I'm more aware now, so, so to speak, from my from. Um, um the last couple of years people have kind of especially those that were told to stay home and they're in their home and they're in their home and here they are in their home uh a lot of stuff they ignored inside their emotions and their body um has come up to the surface so when we talk about anxiety and depression and whatnot what are some of the physical things we can do for our body to help our body help our body deal with stress and anxiety because those can be very uh toxic uh influences on our physical body mm-hmm. and there's lots of layers to it like one of the pieces i look at too is i'll often run an overall profile so I get a good clear picture of just even because when someone's even been stressed or anxious or depressed it takes a toll on the physical body I mean you actually overuse certain nutrients that are you know play into the pathways on making stress hormones so you can deplete yourself in a lot of different ways and so we'll often do a big profile and kind of see where is the person's overall state of health where do we need to support them physiologically? For example, if someone was, you know, for lack of a better example, if they were deficient in iron or they were deficient in um, B12 or something along those lines, just getting that up can actually give that body more energy and um, ability to then deal with some of the other stuff as well or supporting them with specific adaptogenic herbs or something along those lines. Very individual and it would depend on what comes up for them. But there's a lot of things you can do from that perspective to support the physical body so that it can actually handle the stress and the, the world environmental stuff that's going on in a better way. Outside of what you would do from that perspective, I think one is still one of the best things you can do is disconnect from stuff that doesn't make you feel very good and right. connect back to nature as much as you can. I really feel people need to disconnect from whatever it is, whether it's media, social media, mainstream media, any of that stuff, just devices in general. I I feel like get away from it when you, you know, I get we use it for work, but so much of what we do is not necessary and it's just become addictive. We're on it all the time. That will deplete your energy dramatically. And there is a certain resonance with the energy with technology too. So we have to be aware of that. And then anytime you get back in nature, nature is kind of like, 
taking all of the exact right dose of a supplement or medication in so many ways um, as far as helping to normalize and optimize brain chemistry with things like serotonin and dopamine. You know, you get out in nature and you will refuel yourself. So it, it gives you sort of a bit of a baseline. And I think when the more that you get in nature, the more you are able to get more in touch with your own body too. I remember having a patient that um, had kind of disconnected from media and all this stuff for several months. And then she set up an appointment with me and we were talking and she said, you know, I haven't been watching anything for months. And she goes, I just turned it on. I'm watching. She goes, I, I couldn't help it. I, I just felt like I was being manipulated. <laughs> and I said, that's because she had disconnected to it for a long time. So then you, you're more in touch with what, how that makes your body feel and if it makes you feel kind of icky, don't do it. It's no different than if we put people on a, um, like a food elimination diet. If you go on a cleanse and you take specific foods that maybe are common allergenic foods and you take them out for a good month to six weeks or so, and then we would usually say, okay, now bring it back in and have a fair bit of it and see how your body feels. Usually within 24 hours, probably 90% of the people will notice if that works for them or not. And most of the time, symptoms would come back on, whether that would be headache or joint pains or stomach problems, diarrhea or constipation or whatever it might be. If you take a break from it and then you bring it back in, you're now more sensitive to what it's actually doing. Otherwise, I feel like we are always kind of sitting above threshold and we don't really get a good sense of how things are actually interacting with us. I like that. So take uh, types of food holidays. Uh, uh, take a holiday from pasta. Take a holiday from um, sweets. Take a holiday from alcohol, whatever. And, and, and that brings new clarity in your body's reaction to that. I like that a lot. Well, we're getting towards the end of the show. I, um, I want to make sure we focus on you and your books and your platform. Take some time now and tell us about your books and tell us about your practice and how the audience might engage those things. Sure. I think probably the best platform is go right to inspirehealthpodcast.com. And it's a platform that I've been running since about 2000. 18 and it's I, mean, I think it's just wonderful I, we get to talk to amazing people and we usually pull together series it's a unique thing about our podcast it's all free but we'll often pick a theme and then we'll round that theme out by talking to anywhere from probably eight to 20 different guests and really take a big picture look from a lot of different perspectives so the one that's out right now is fascinating and it's called life, death and beyond exploring our greater reality. And we're talking to mystics and we're talking to scholars and we're talking to near death experiencers and all sorts of different people to just get a better, broader perspective of just death and life and what lies beyond. And the idea is really to try to minimize and change our perspectives of it because it's, it's tied to so much fear a lot of times. And um, there's so much fear right now. Anything we can do to mitigate fear and maybe give different perspectives that might land for somebody, I think that's really important for people. And lots of people that have had loved ones pass over. And I think um, it's a lot of 
heartfelt conversations that we've had with people. We did one today, this morning, that was just, uh, I feel like, you know, beginning, even before we started, my wife and I were in tears as we were interviewing the fellow, like just touched. It was just really beautiful. His son had crossed over and he's actually connected with his son from the other side and has given a lot of insight around uh, that whole process. And it's really quite a beautiful story. So Inspiral Podcast, lots of different series. We've done ones on know thyself, a return to who we really are, questions to facilitate a a return to who we really are. We've done theories on energy, frequency, vibration, magnetics, the next era of healthcare, and on the illusion of free choice, a return to mastering our own life, and looking at all the different ways that we kind of um, feel like we lose our ability to choose or and that's a fascinating series, too. So lots of different series there to, to look at that I think um, have a lot of value for people. So that's the platform. From there, you can kind of access uh, my latest book is actually one on natural first aid. We were away for almost a year. We were in, in Mexico for a period of time, and we became kind of a hub for working with families with natural first aid. So whether they were dealing with, um, you know, traveler's diarrhea or a sinus infection or earache or a fever that their kids were going through or whatever it might be. We were kind of a hub and working with people. And I felt this was really important for families to know how to take back control again of a lot of things that they can manage on their own very effectively with time tested natural therapies. So I broke down six major chapters and we kind of look at everything from tummy troubles and cold flu and immune support, fever, comfort, ear and sinus congestion, bumps, bruises, burns, and scrapes, bites, stings, rashes. Um, we really cover all of that stuff. So I wrote a book on that, and we are in the process of making that into an online course as well. And we also have the 30-Day Metaphysics Detox, which is a course that we are currently working on, and we will be beta testing um, probably within the next few months. So we'll have that on there where people can actually go to either one of those and, and put their email down so they can learn more about it as soon as we are ready to um, put that out. And we'll have a lot of really cool information about that coming too. Gosh, what else? Um, we have a free download for listeners on something called Accessing Your Heart's Wisdom. And this is a meditation that I put together that really takes you through that process to get out of the thinking mind and get back into the heart to be able to actually hear and get answers to your questions from that intuitive place. And I think that's a really important one right now. That's why we made that meditation because so many people right now feel like they get confused. They don't know what to do. They're overwhelmed. And when you're in that state, you cannot make great decisions. You actually don't want to make decisions from that place. So this ties in a lot of the work done by Heart Math Institute and Heart Rate Variability, which is something that I've used in clinic for a long time. And it takes people through a process of getting back into that optimal heart-brain communication where they can really learn to trust the answers that start to come up. And it's really amazing. You do that exercise when you're in a stress state and you ask yourself your question, what you should do. And you often get a very different answer when you then go and do the meditation and really connect in and then ask yourself that question and you get a feeling sense of what you're supposed to do. So that's, I think, really valuable as well. Um, Gosh, outside of that, yeah, we are just putting together through the platform something called Inspire Life Multiversity, where we will be actually working with different guests to create courses to bring that wisdom and that um, 
from these, these avatars in the field to be able to bring that to you in a very user-friendly, tangible way that you can incorporate into your life. So that's going to be a project that we will be doing this year. So we hope to have a few different courses out by some really phenomenal um, guests from our, uh, our podcast as well. So yeah, inspirehealthpodcast.com. That'll take you where everything is. You can even from that click a link and learn more about working with me directly. I do telemedicine all over the world. So that's something that people can access if they want to work directly with me too. Very nice. Well, an hour can go by pretty fast. I want to thank you, Jason. Uh, I'm so delighted uh, to bring you on the show and um, I very much have enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome, Les. Thanks so much for having me on. And thanks everybody for listening. We've been talking with Dr. Jason Loken, and the topic tonight has been all over the place, but <laughs> the 30-day metaphysical detox. Um, I, I really enjoy talking to people like Jason, and we were talking before the show started, and it, I think we both share this uh, common attribute of being just eternally curious, eternally curious about um, a deeper understanding, a more authentic truth. So I'm I'm so glad we got him on the show. You know, I'm no sproctologist, but I can I can pretty much guarantee that you cannot exhaust your potential. In fact, I double dog dare you to exhaust your potential. Love is is such a curious uh, medium. The more you spend it, the more of it you have. It it expands when you spend it, so to speak. So what if what if you fully realize your Christ consciousness? What if you fast forwarded however much time it took for you to embody everything that uh, Jesus had promised you to do? If you were to think of your persona as a vehicle of the divine, your persona as a vehicle of the divine, it it takes a while. It, it takes quite a while. I got cracked open like 25 years ago, and I've been scrubbing my psyche ever since. And when you start bumping into these I don't know, higher realms or whatever the hell you want to call it, 5D, whatever. Um, and and you spend time healing your relationship with love. That's a simple sentence, healing your relationship with love. But what if, what if we could put archetypes in a... a a shaker and put them all together. So take like Leonardo da Vinci, Einstein, uh, maybe the entrepreneurial of Elon Musk, uh, John Lennon, and shake it all up. And here comes this persona that embodies the divine idea of what a human being could be. 
the, the thing, love has no requirements of its own. So it'll meet you wherever you're at. And it, like I said, it has no requirements. But if, if you choose, if you choose to, I guess, say surrender to love, to surrender to love and volunteer your vehicle to embody divine love because love will not force itself and and peace won't force itself. These things have to be chosen and grown and embodied in your persona. If you choose to surrender your life to the embodiment of love, it doesn't get boring. It doesn't get boring at all. If anything, it gets uh, dynamic and fun and rewarding in in super subtle ways, in, in things you might have ignored in the past. You're at the supermarket, you're at the library, whatever. You would have opportunities for love in those environments, and if you're stuck in your head, you walk right past them. But when you surrender your persona, it it's not like you're giving yourself up. It's more like you're filling yourself up uh, to to embody love. If you think of the the quantum mirror or quote reality unquote as that which is mirrored back to you, in other words. If I if I harbor anger, I'll experience anger reflected back to me. When you embody love, the reflection turns into love. I think part of what made Jesus such a fantastic persona is he was an ambassador to love. He personified that love. And I think love is... Uh, not only the fabric of all that is, but it's the power. Love is the vehicle of power that Jesus personified that afforded to him the ability to do such miraculous things. That's a whole other topic. We're at the end of the show. (laughs) I love this stuff. I could talk about it forever. I'm your host, Les Jensen. I want to thank you, the listener. You're showing up for yourself. Here you are now. You're showing up for yourself. I appreciate that. I applaud that. You are why we do such things. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Always a pleasure. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.